have landed on the one and only podcast where you'll learn about the people and places that inspire life-changing travel. This is Dramatic Travels. Yo-ho, my friend, Aaron Schlein here, and you have landed on Dramatic Travels Family. Dramatic Travels Family is here to inspire you to travel the world with your kids and to give you the resources and support to help make your family travel dreams take flight. Speaking of resources and support, please take a moment after the show to check out the Dramatic Travels Family Facebook group. If you want to connect with real people, with real parents who understand the power of travel and are taking action and showing their kids the world, then the Dramatic Travels Family Facebook community is for you. Check us out at DramaticTravels.com slash Facebook. Welcome to episode number 19 of Dramatic Travels Family. You're listening to part one of my chat with this week's guest, Patricia Monahan from Our Whole Village. If you're listening to this the day it goes live on June the 25th, part two will be available in the podcast directories bright and early tomorrow morning. But if you just can't wait to dive into part two, head over to DramaticTravels.com slash 19, where part two is waiting for you to enjoy right now. So sit back, my friend, take a nice deep breath and enjoy part one of my chat with this week's guest, Patricia Monahan from Our Whole Village. Dramatic Travels family, I am super excited to introduce you to today's featured guest, Patty Monahan. Patty, are you ready to share your dramatic travels? Yes. All right. Patty is a mom, a traveler, an adventurer, and the founder of Our Whole Village, a travel company that curates meaningful travel adventures. Patty, that's your official bio. Please expand on that and share a bit of your personal and your business life. So I have two daughters, ages eight and six, um, and they are mainly the main reason why I left a legal career behind. And decided to focus on something more meaningful and purposeful in my life. So our whole village was born with that mission in mind. I like to think that we're changing two families at a time. On one hand, we expose families to different cultures, you know, diff- different people, uh, expanding their horizons, uh, strengthening bonds and creating lasting memories for that family. But also we help families that are less fortunate by giving part of the proceeds back to the uh, conservation and education projects all over the world. Oh, I love that. Giving back is huge. That's one of my eight core values of family travel. It's value number seven, as a matter of fact. It's give back. Now, Patty, let's dig in a little bit to meaningful family adventures. What does that mean to you? It means not just visiting, you know, the highlights, you know, that manicured experience where you just go hit the you know main spots in the destination without actually understanding what's behind it you know what who are the people who um what are they you know their what their passions are like more about the culture um and i think because it it's very much related to my childhood i was fortunate that i got to travel a lot with my parents there was we went on numerous trips from very early on but I always felt as a child, I wanted to connect with that and with the people. I, I was very curious about 
the kids, you know, and their language and what they did. So I kind of, I think I missed that growing up. So now that I had my kids, then I wanted to expose them to, you know, also travel with them. But I was like, I actually want to take it a step further. I wanted them to really experience, you know, that culture, that place. So when you say you missed that, the travel as a kid with your parents, you missed out on some of the, the cultural exposure and exposure to people. Is that what you mean by that? Exactly. I wanted to make it more meaningful. That's what I mean by meaningful, uh-huh. mainly, mainly you know, more authentic. Excellent. Well, let's dive into some of those travels then. Uh, uh-huh. Those travels as a child. Let's start there at the beginning. Uh, tell me about uh-huh. traveling as a child. And if you can, take me to that most powerful, earliest travel memory. Uh, I think the first memory was taking a plane for the first time. I was about five or six. And I clearly remember that feeling. It was terrifying, but exciting at the same time. And also when we went to um, a beach in the northeast of Brazil, and we went, I visited, I, I can't remember exactly where it was, but we visited this farm. It was where we could see, and I remember seeing a cashew tree for the first time. And I was fascinated, like, it's a cashew, look at it, and, you know, the cashew right there. And at this, in the same location, there were these ladies making sand work, you know, in the bottles. And I loved it. I was like, so I know, amazed by that. So that would be my first, I think I was five. So tell me what it was like. So you, you grew up in Brazil. Mm-hmm. What was that like, first of all? I grew up in Sao Paulo, a huge city, so not much freedom to, you know, play around in parks and on the streets. So, um, but, I, you know, fortunately, I was, you know, we have, we had the opportunity to find air, other areas, you know, to like, when we went to clubs, it's, it's very, it's a very different upbringing from the U.S., you know, where you have, I think you have more freedom, especially where I am in the, you know, right here in Michigan. I, th- I like that my kids get to play on, on the street. So I definitely want that for them. But growing in Sao Paulo is kind of crazy. As you know, it's a big city. It's, it's not safe all the time. So you have to be more aware of your surroundings. And it's one of the main reasons I would not want to go back and live in Brazil, because I don't want my kids to have that. Have you taken your kids to Sao Paulo? Yes, I take them twice a year. So oh, how's my that? My family's there. Yeah. Tell me about that. What's the, the general vibe from that experience? I mean, taking your daughters twice a year. I mean, it's on one hand, it's beautiful because we connect with family, with friends. You know, we visit all, you know, all the people, you know, that I don't get to see that often. Uh, and it's just a very different, it's a very different way of life, I think. And one that I... I mean, obviously, once you're in there, you get used to it, right? Like how not having you have to close the windows in the car. You don't drive with your windows down. You don't always stop at a stop sign, you know, little <laughs> things like that. But with the kids, I mean, I, I still try to make it. I'm very like I still walk a lot, which people find strange, you know, because like in Sao Paulo, not many people just walk on the streets to um but yeah, it's interesting. And they love, you know, they love speaking. The, the language is a big part of it. So for them to be there for, we're going for, to Brazil for six weeks next week. So they get to experience the culture and, you know, it's their culture too. So Oh, definitely. And that's a good long time. I love it when I hear parents mm-hmm. you know, say that they're taking their kids for four weeks, for six weeks, because that's a real immersive experience, much more so than, you know, a week of you know some curated tour where you're on a, uh, on a bus, but you're going for six weeks obviously yeah. with your family. I mean, that's as immersive as it gets. And then, so your daughter speak Portuguese. Yes. 
They do. That's awesome. Yes. And that was, what was and that like? Spanish. And Spanish too. Look at that. Yeah. We lived in Spain for four years. So besides you, is there anyone that they get to speak Portuguese to at home? No. So, Just me. That's why I make sure, need to make sure that I go back and they get to practice. Yeah. <laughs> it's up to you. So how old were you when you moved to the States? I was, I first moved to Europe to get a master's in law and yeah. economics and I was 22, 23. Oh, okay. And then I, so I left Brazil. Yes. Then ended up coming to the U.S. the following year and I've been here ever since. Well, with a four year period in Spain in between. So, yeah, so you truly, truly grew up there. For some reason, I had thought that you had moved to, moved to the States much younger because just quite frankly, your accent is, is fairly, oh. is pretty faint from moving <laughs> here as an adult. I don't know if you've gone that's out of your way to work on that or if that's just the way it works out, but your, your accent is, is fairly faint. Yeah, no, I, I've been told that before. I think I've been here for a while, but even, I think if, like I said, I've always been interested in languages. So I've mm -hmm. always focused on that. So, and obviously living here has made a big, big difference. Sure. Sure. Mm -hmm. Well, that's great. So you touched a, bit, a little bit on you talking about Sao Paulo being unsafe and there's you know a, mm -hmm. a, a fear that can definitely uh, be present when you're, you're traveling to really any foreign place, but especially a place that's kind of known to have its mm -hmm. issues. How would you describe that fear and what's your advice for, for someone looking to overcome that fear of traveling to a place that's potentially unsafe? Yeah, I think you need to be, basically you need to be aware, right? You just, I mean, I, there's any big city will have issues, right? Even if you go, you know, Barcelona, you have pickpocket, you know? And so especially in the case of Sao Paulo, Rio, mainly you need to know where to go. So you do your research, you know, you go, if you're going to Sao Paulo specifically, it's always helpful to have someone local that you know, or if not, you know, go with a, um, with a, with a company, you know, that has a, a guide, a local tour guide that will help, you know, avoid all this, the unexpected. Have you had any scary moments over the course of your travels in Sao Paulo or, or anywhere else that really got your attention, something that left a lasting impression on you? Uh, not really. I've been very fortunate in that regard. Nothing ever, nothing bad in that sense ever happened. Um, scary moments, I guess, if we're going to think about it, something scary was when I was eight and I was in Argentina, I was in Bariloche, and I almost fell off a cliff. So that was like my one, you know near-death experience. Can you, is that a real vivid memory for you? Can you just close your eyes and be back on that cliff? Oh yeah, absolutely. I was, so I was eight and I have two younger brothers and one of those things that we were, we were part of a, actually a group. It was our first trip uh, overseas and we were part of a big group and I was like another girl from Brazil and with my brothers and I, and we were just, we saw this house that seemed like, I think it was like a storage, like a, a shed. And we were like, wow, we should try to get there. And it was like downhill, and but there was no path. And it was like on the snow. Totally, we should not be there. And all of a sudden, I slipped. It was like out of the movie, right? You can start slipping, and then I hold on to the rock, to a rock. And I'm holding on to a rock. My brothers are like panicking, like screaming. And the next thing I remember, I just see grandpons. I was rescued by this guy with grandpons who scolded me to no end in Spanish. And he was like, but the funny thing is like, we never told our parents <laughs> until like, we told them like 
20 years later, probably. Okay. Well, I'm glad you finally told them eventually, because if you hadn't, then you're telling them right now. Right. Exactly. (laughs) Well, excellent. So yeah, overcoming fear, overcoming scary moments. That's a huge part of what I do with this podcast, because there's a lot of parents, as I'm sure you know, who just have a variety of fears, limiting beliefs, obstacles, and challenges that prevent them from traveling and especially traveling with their kids. So I love it when, when guests like you share scary moments like that. I don't know. I don't know if that was a good moment. I don't, I don't, I don't know if that moment would encourage parents to travel, but <laughs> I, well, it's something you survived. Absolutely. And came out a better, smarter person for <laughs> sure. Well, and then my follow-up question is, okay, so moving forward, is there a particular fear that, uh, that you struggle with when it comes to travel moving forward and how do you overcome it? Um, I think today my fear is more for my, for the families that I work with. Right. So I'm on the other end. I'm a pro service provider. So when I am organizing those tours, I feel like I am responsible and need to make sure that everything goes right. Right. And especially safety, because I think that's the parents main, main, main concern. So just doing like, you know, triple checking everything and making sure. I think in general, like the trickiest part of, um, of, a, of traveling might be transportation, um, especially like in third world countries, you can still refer to them like that, uh, you know, just finding, finding good drivers and how to get to pull from point A to point B, you know, safely with a family, not knowing the country, not knowing the language. So that would be my main fear too. If I was just traveling with my kids to a country where I don't speak the language and I'm not familiar with, that would be my main fear. So talk about that a little more about the, you know, you're talking about as a service provider, it's, mm-hmm. it's up to you to, to work with your clients, to overcome their challenges, to get them out the door. What are some, in, including transportation, but what are some other common themes, some common issues that you see come up time and time again with parents who are struggling to, to get, to take mm-hmm. that first step and, you know, and what are some of the steps you take to, to mitigate those fears? I think the first, maybe that's not necessarily a fear, but the first obstacle, I think a lot of parents want to wait until their kids are older to travel. They feel like, oh, my kids are not going to remember. This is like a very common topic. Why should I travel now? They're not going to remember. And I always point out like they might not remember the details, but it's all, it's about like a mindset. It's about raising conscious and aware kids and it's amazing how much they absorb, how much they learn and how much that becomes part of their character later on. And so that's, that's always my advice is don't wait because also like they get used to it. Right. And if you wait too long, then they're just, it's harder, like much harder to take a teenage, you know, a teenager on a trip that a teenager that's used to like electronics and, you know, like iPads and games and, take him or her out of that element and all of a sudden, Oh, now we're going to experience something different and you're going to love it. And it's like, you know, so, um, that's it. And the other fears are, like I said, uh, safety, you know, like not knowing the language for sure. Um, what else? Can I, I think there's a, a lot, a lot of it is about, you know, accommodations is, it, is I think we have so much information online these days, but it's hard to know if what you see online is actually what you're going to get when you're there. 
Would you yeah. say that, that that excess of information is helpful to you as a service provider? Because it's almost counterintuitive to think that with all this information out there that consumers can just take care of themselves. But then when you have too much information and you don't know which one to believe or how to really distill it down into its you know, fundamental parts, that that's where someone like you comes in to say, you know, I've been there, done that. I can help you make sense of all this information. Would you, is that an accurate description? Absolutely. That's exactly it. I think, you know, some people think, oh, now why do we, why would, you know, they need you if there's everything is out there? I mean, be, precisely because you don't know what information to trust. And it, it is completely overwhelming once you start doing research, you know, and um, yeah, tour operators like myself and others, we can help, you know, just navigate those. And, you know, and we know I'm, I only work with providers that I've, you know, that I've vetted. So you get that component that you wouldn't otherwise just going online and booking an experience. And sure, it could be great, and oftentimes it is, but then it's another risk factor, right? Especially when you're traveling with your family. Definitely. And just going back for a moment to, to that idea of not traveling with your kids when they're young because they're not going to remember it. And mm-hmm. it sounds like you have some pretty solid advice for parents who have those struggles. The way I look at it, you know, when your child, when you have a baby or a brand new baby or say a one-year-old, you don't not talk to them because they're not going to understand you. You talk to them so they'll, they'll learn and they're not going to remember learning to talk, but it doesn't mean, doesn't lessen the impact. And it's, I'm in total agreement with you about travel. It's that same thing, even though they may not remember the specific details, Mm -hmm. their development is going to be altered in a positive way by those experiences. And I, I love that you're, you're driving home that message because that is a huge obstacle for a lot of people and myself included. I've, I've caught myself on several occasions saying, what's the point of all this? They're not even going to remember this anyway. But then mm-hmm. you look at it more like this is a marathon. We're laying a foundation. Yeah. And to, to your point about the baby, it's not, it's the opposite, right? You should be talking to a baby, right? That's right. the way the baby learns that the way they grow, the more you talk, right? And all the parenting advice is you have to talk more a lot to your baby. So the more you talk, likewise, the more you travel, you know, the more, I guess it's all about instilling important values in your child. Absolutely. So Patty, you've traveled a lot clearly over your life and no doubt you've had some inspirational moments. Share one of your most, no, your absolute most inspirational travel moment. What comes to mind? Uh, that would have to be my trip to Tibet after graduating from law school. Um, we spent, I was with a small group from Brazil, my best friend from high school, her brother, and two other people. And we did the Kailash. We did a circumambulation around Mount Kailash, which is the sacred Buddhist mountain. Uh, it was an intense, like, very, like, challenging from like the physical aspect of it so just basically no shower for two weeks you're camping you're you know you're there's altitude we had no water one night so there's like all of these challenges and for sure there was a transformational moment for me when you know god we got to that you know the summit and the whole like the whole like getting there like you know driving to to Mount Kailash, doing the circumambulation, driving back, meeting the locals, right? Meeting the people along the way, just in, in the different, like, the different, like, tribes, you know, and learning more about Buddhism, you know, that was a very, like, that was the first time that I could say that I fully understood the transformational power of travel. Needless to say, I came, I went back home, I 
quit my job. <laughs> just, <laughs> then, you know, we're like, you just started like, I don't know, questioning, like, you know, I'm just being closer to your essence. You know, that's how I felt. So tell me about that kind of that battle that was going on in your head after, after that trip, when you had this transformational moment. And it sounds like you yeah. were, you had started yourself down this one path with law school. Clearly you'd had an, okay. an end goal in mind. And then you have this transfer, uh, this transformational trip to Nepal and you start questioning everything. Tell me about what's going on in your head. So obviously it's not easy, right? I think one of the hardest things is re-entry, as you can easily call it. Um, it was because we were gone for, I was gone for a month and I started questioning everything. You know, I was in a long term relationship at the time. So I ended it, I ended that my job, I was not happy with, I had just graduated and I was looking, working at a law firm. It's, it's hard for sure. And, but it may, and I'd still worked as a lawyer. I went to, so right there, I decided that I wanted to live abroad, which is something that I had always wanted to do, but I was still I still did it in a, in a way that, you know, that I could support myself. So I did, I went to, a, I found a, a master's in law, applied for a scholarship. So I, I still ended, I still worked as a lawyer, you know, after that for years. So it's like, it's a long process. It's not like I just went and then changed everything overnight, but it's, it was like a, a sparkle, right? It was something, it was like a spark that prompted me to just get to know myself better. Did you struggle at all fighting through those, that day to day, you know, of, of being an attorney and, and going, yes. getting that master's, knowing that you'd had that, that switch had gone on in your brain. Yes, for sure. Uh, it's, yeah. But at the same time I did. So the, even the master's, I did it in law and economics because I thought it would be broader and it would open myself up to other things. So I always had, I always have, I think I have a very, a very positive outlook on life. So I was, you know, and I, I was, and if I, for, you know, even if I was doing something that was not amazing in terms of like, you know, for how I felt about the, the subject, I was in Europe. I was a student in Europe. I had an amazing time, you know, so that was exactly what I needed and wanted at the time. So that's, that's awesome. And I love hearing that story that you were able to, to actually pull the trigger on something, even though it was a slow burn, which really is the responsible way to go, especially when you're, when you're on the younger side, you know, you had time to, to sort things out. Right. So let's fill in the gap. So you, you're a law student and an attorney, you've had this transformational experience and then mm -hmm. flash forward to, you know, the founder of our whole village. Take me through the timeline of, of that full transition from lawyer to Right. inspirational traveler. Yeah. So I've been very, very fortunate. So after eight years in DC working as an attorney, my ex-husband, you know, husband at the time was transferred to Spain where we were for four years. And during that time I was still working part-time, you know, I could still work, work from home. Kids were both in school. One was in preschool. The other one was just starting kindergarten. Um, so I, and I had that moment, I had that realization that I was like, if I'm going to do something different, now is the time, right? Yeah, we were, I guess we also, we were expats. So that helped, you know, my, you know, they covered the school, they covered the house. So my salary wasn't needed. And at the same time, I had this hunger after having had kids, I 
I think I, I had it early on after that trip to Tibet. I knew that was something else that I wanted to do, but I wasn't quite sure what that was. So I still like, you know, worked for years. And once I had the kids, I, I realized, okay, I, there's something bigger. There's something stronger, you know, that I need to listen to. Um, and then it was, I don't know, I did, I did business coaching. So I did, you know, I had a coach and said, look, I, this, these are my passions. Right. And I, at the same time, I was looking for culturally immersive experience to take my kids on. Um, so I found this niche in the market because I wanted those things for my family at the same time. I figured that, you know, that I wanted to promote those experiences to other families. So that's how it started. And that was around 2014 when I did, I had been, I had been to the Amazon, um, twice at that time. And I, and that was the first experience that I thought, you know, it would be amazing if you could take four or five families on this boat, you know, through the Amazon, visiting the river communities, learning about the rainforest, disconnecting, you know, just and reconnecting. And I, so I tried that and it was very successful. So that I was like, oh, okay, this, this, that, that's a, that was the first time that I thought, okay, this could actually work as a business. And that's how it started. <laughs> And that's interesting. Well, you just, and you described hiring a business coach, which I, I love that concept because it, it just showed how serious you were about making it happen. Cause a lot of people, there's a lot of people in this world that have a lot of wonderful ideas, inspirational ideas. You were one of the few Patty who took that inspirational idea and turned it into a reality. You just described just sort of briefly besides the coaching, just some of the other steps and mindset mindset shifts you needed to make to, to turn this thing into reality and to, into a viable business. Cause quite frankly, you got to make, you got to bring in the dollars uh, if you're going to be able to continue to, to do this. So tell me about just the, the mindset shift becoming a, a business owner. Uh, oh, wow. Yeah. It's, I've always been like a self-starter, so that's good. I've always been, you know, independent. So I had that going for me. So I'm in a way like, you know, I don't, I think if you're overthink things, you're like, you're not going to move any, you know, you're not going to move forward. So it's all about taking that first step. So that's the one take like imperfect leaps, you know, like you don't have to be perfect, but you have to keep moving forward. That's certainly like a mindset that you have to have. If you have to, you know, if you want to have a business and a tough skin for sure, because there's lots of moments of self-doubt and lots, you know, lots of questionings from like everyone, right? Yourself, your significant other, like people, you know, outside the business even. But um, especially when you come from like a career that I had a career as a lawyer, like it was safe and it was, you know, like, why would you do that? <laughs> so you really have to have that drive or that passion and yeah. So tell me about self-doubt because yeah. that's always, that's something that comes up quite often. And I, I love what you said about taking action and action to me is a bit of a, an antidote for self-doubt, but the self-doubt lives on and on and on, no matter what you do or how successful you become. And I want to relate it back, of course, to, to travel and parents who doubt their own abilities to travel with their kids. What is just a fundamental, some fundamental advice for overcoming self-doubt? I think, yeah, like you said, self-doubt is always going to be present. So you need to reframe that. 
and say, look, look, I guess look within and say like, is, where is this coming from? Right. Is this really like, is this like a fear-based um, thought or feeling or is it intuition? That's how I do. And then I was like, because at some point that you feel like different things in your body. Right. I feel like I can really like tell now after practicing, like, I know that sometimes I'm like, right. I have this moment of like, I don't know if this is what I should be doing. And then I have to stop, look within and like, is it, where is this coming from? Right. And I think that's what you need to do to overcome and just need to take a deep breath, take a step back, you know, and then move forward. Like make sure that, you know, don't let it stop you if it's fear based. Outside of the, the deep breath, are there any other techniques, you know, like journaling or meditation, anything of that nature? Oh, meditation for sure. It's big for me. Journaling, I'm not very good at. I you know everybody says it's obviously great, especially the pen to paper, you mm-hmm. know, exercise. I've, I've tried, I've been trying, but meditation for sure is great. So total aside, you said picking up a pen mm-hmm. and paper, and I'm curious about this. You pick up a pen mm-hmm. and paper, you're going to write a note on a post-it that's just for you. No one mm-hmm. else is ever going to need to read it. What language do you write it in? Oh, it depends. It's funny. No, but I, recently, more in English, for sure. Interesting. Which is interesting. Yeah, I had not stopped to think about it, but I'm actually looking at notes on my desk right now. <laughs> <laughs> like, as, I'm like, oh, they're in English. <laughs> yes. That's so cool. I'm just fascinated by, by people who yeah. are not just <laughs> multilingual, but, you know, clearly fluent in multiple languages. I think it's just so fascinating because I've, you know, I've tried to educate myself and study languages and I do okay, but it's, you know, I I can't, I've never even gotten close to the point where I can think in another language or where I would want, I would choose to write or read in another language. It's just English, as you know, here, that's, that's the language and you got to go out, you got to go out of your way to, to, to learn something else here in the U S. Yeah. It's much harder if you're born here for sure. Mm -hmm. You have the, like we have no other option, you know, if you're born (laughs) abroad <laughs> so let's talk about our whole village just a little bit to go take me through if i was if i were a client and i would come to you and i mm-hmm. say patty i've i've got these two kids i'm just gonna use myself yeah. as an example i have a five-year-old son i have a two-year-old daughter mm-hmm. my wife and i want to take them on a, a truly culturally immersive experience patty mm-hmm. help us out so our, yeah our whole village i'm currently focusing on the group departures because i feel there's like an enormous benefit and and very enriching exchange when you travel with other like-minded families. So right now, next week, we're going to the Amazon. As I mentioned, at the, at the front end of my trip to Brazil, we're doing a, an Amazon trip with uh, five other families. So I would recommend, if you have, well, how old are your kids again? Sorry, five and? My son is five and my daughter's two and a half. Two and a half. So two and a half might be a little, I've taken kids that young to the Amazon, but it all, it was, um, it depends on the parents more than the kids, you know, if they're comfortable in the water, you know, with floaties and all that. And, but, um, I usually recommend that particular trip to up from age four, five to kids that are comfortable in the water. Um, but yeah, no, I would basically talk to you and if nothing that I have going on fits your schedule or your you know, or is not appropriate for your, your, you know, the age of your kids, then we decide like based on your family's interests, like, what do you guys like to do? Are you more weight or like the nature? They want more, you know, like cultural experiences. And then based on that decide, you know, on a destination, first of all, um, 
but oftentimes families come to me, they know where they want to go. Okay. So they know the destination. They just need help with, you know, the, what the activities mainly, you know, what to do and make sure that it has something fun for everyone in the family. Right. Cause I think that's also the, the tricky and also quite frankly, like also amazing part of family travel, having, making sure that everybody has a good time. Including the parents. The kids. Including the parents. Yeah, absolutely. Not just the kids. Cause I think that sometimes it becomes all about the kids and the parents are like, ah, this becomes like work because they're like, you know, like, yes, there's, it's great to go to um, an amusement park, but at some point I'd also want to have a, a nice meal. You know, I also want to, I don't know, visit a museum or do something that is not just for the kids, right? And do something with the kids. And I think that's, that's a lot of the activities focus on that, right? The learning something new with your kid. What's your take on why certain parents might plan a full trip that's just 100% focused on the kids and with nothing for themselves. I feel like it comes down to either fear or guilt or some combination of the two. What do you think? I think it's mainly fear. It's fear. Like, Oh my, I'm taking my kids on this trip. I need to make sure that they're entertained. I need to make sure that they're, you know, they're going to have a good time. So for sure. I think it's fear more than guilt. Well, maybe, maybe if it's like, maybe if their parents are working, you know, barely see their kids during the week maybe that would play into it like okay now it's all about the kids Mm -hmm. you know to make up for that but i think most families it was just mainly fear that the kids are not going to have a good time and don't underestimate your kids because i found that that kids will can have a good time anywhere and they adapt far better in my opinion than than the adults do Absolutely. And again, another reason to start them young, because the younger they start, the easier, the more flexible. The, yeah, they are. Like I can give an example. I went, we did our first home stay in March in Costa Rica, um, my girls and I. And I was obviously was like, I, don't, I had not been to the place because we're actually trying it out for, you know, one of our whole village itineraries. And I wanted to go first. So I took them. They make sure that's another thing that I do. If it's something that, you know, hasn't been vetted, I need to go and experience myself. So we did. And it was like, there was, again, like, as you would expect, right? No entertainment. It's not like a typical, like, family vacation. And they had such a great time, you know, with, like, it was a local artisan that we stayed with. And they had, you know, plenty of, like, stray dogs. They she showed, you know, they had their, their own crops, you know, it was just like everything just flowed so naturally and they were completely fine. Not once were they like, Oh, we're bored or we don't like this, you know, like, yeah. And it was just, it's a good thing. It's an amazing thing to watch, you know, and, and, and they got much needed perspective, right. They didn't have hot water, you know? So it's like, yeah. Take it from the expert folks. Don't underestimate mm-hmm. your kids. They can adapt. They will have a great time and no, no tears will be shed because they're bored. Yeah. And if they do, that's because it's probably a lesson that they need too. So it's all good. That is a good, that is another good perspective. Yeah. And sometimes you've got to absorb that as a parent, absorb that little bit of pain, knowing that you know, the payoff is worth it, that you're going to overcome yes. that obstacle because kids need to be challenged. Kids need to be challenged yeah. just as much as, as we do and overcoming challenges instills mm-hmm. that independence, that empathy and open-mindedness, all the things that we say we want to 
to instill in our kids, but it's time to take action and start putting our money where our mouth is and getting them out there. I hope you enjoyed part one of my chat with Patty Monahan from Our Whole Village. Be sure to check out the notes from this episode at DramaticTravels.com slash 19. All right, my friend, we're going to talk again real soon in part two. Hope you have a good one. See you later.